The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? So welcome to one of our Eightfold Path Dharma Mentoring Program group meetings. I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but that sounds seems good. So just as a reminder, I'm Diana Clark. This is Shin Kwan Park, and this is Jim Podolsky. It's fun for us to um, teach together. I hope it's okay for you guys, too, to have three of us up here. So today we're going to talk about right action. This is the fourth factor in the Eightfold Path. Just as a quick review, the first was right view, which included thoroughly acknowledging that actions have consequences. And some, it's in the Buddhist language, we would say that's also the Four Noble Truths and karma, some of the teachings of karma. The second factor is right intention, that once you realize that actions, all actions, and I should include also thoughts and behaviors, speech, have um, consequences, then you start to pay attention to what are your intentions? What, are, um, what kind of consequences would you like your actions to have? What kind of consequences would you like your speech to have? And that leads to the third factor, right speech, which we talked about last month. And then this month we're talking about right action. So uh, rather than speech in particular, we're looking at, at the things that we do in the world and how are they impact others. How does what we behave and what we don't do as well, how does that impact others? So right speech, the third factor, right action, the fourth factor, and next month will be right livelihood, the fifth act factor. These um, comprise the ethical components of the Noble Eightfold Path. And the way that I like to think of the ethical components is a way um, for us to take care of our relationships with others. It's essentially what ethics is. is a way to make sure that we're not causing harm, both to ourselves and to others, in a way that we're promoting harmony also in the world and with ourselves. So with that as an introduction, so today, as I said, we'll do right action. Jim is going to start, and he's going to look at right action, which has three elements, and he's going to look at it from one particular aspect. He's going to do a Dharma talk, and we'll do a guided meditation, and we'll do a breakout group. Then we'll have a small break. And then Shin Kwan is going to look at the same three elements from a different aspect, from a different view. And she'll give a short Dharma talk and guided meditation, and another breakout group looking from that. So that's what you can expect from us today. And with that, um, here's Jim. Thank you, Diana. Let's see, so we'll start with this guided meditation. That's the... Um, Headset. Yeah. I think it's... Okay, can you hear me now? Right. 
I'm putting out sub-audio <laughs> emanations. I thought that you would be picking up on this. Yeah, I'm vibing. So, Sorry, I didn't realize you didn't get that. Okay, so let's start by taking a comfortable and alert meditation posture. Looks like you're all seated either on the, on the cushions or on chairs. So we want to get ourselves in a posture that has a certain comfort to it, a certain relaxation, and that also has a certain energy and uprightness to it so that we can be alert and pay attention to things as they happen. And so even before we pay attention to the breath, we might want to just, for a few moments, see if we can bring up an intention of goodwill, an intention of, uh, for us to be happy, to feel safe, to be content. Just entering the meditation with an attitude of goodwill towards ourself, towards our experience, and towards those that are around us right now. And so once we've either connected with a a sense of goodwill or even a desire for there to be goodwill. Then we can turn our attention back to the breath, back to the body. Noticing the flow of air in and out. Seeing how the breath can bring a certain relaxation, a certain sense of ease, smoothness to the body. Noticing also how the breath can bring energy, can bring alertness, can brighten our attention, 
So as we pay attention to the breath, pay attention to the sensations of the body, What we're noticing are some of the experiences of what it's like to be alive. What it is to be part of life. It's breathing. All the sensations of the body the emotions, the thoughts. This is the experience of being alive. of life. Perhaps we might notice a sense of appreciation for being life. A sense of valuing this experience. Perhaps we can touch into not only valuing life, but wanting to protect it, feel safe, free from harm. Trusting that we can just abide in this state of being alive. for the moment, sitting in this room with these people, we can feel safe, unafraid. Noticing what that's like.
perhaps we can recognize that, that just as we value our life, value our safety, our freedom from harm, so too does everyone else in the room, those sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, either side, they too value life, safety, and freedom from harm. In addition to our life, our bodies, our safety, we value our possessions, those requisites that keep us alive, our food, our clothing, our shelter, our medicine, Noticing a desire to want to trust that those won't be taken. And that we can trust those around us.
might also notice deep desires for connection, for intimacy, for caring, for emotional and sexual expression. Just as we have this desire, so too do other human beings. It's desire to have those in a container of trust, container of safety, a container of goodwill. As we deepen in this practice, we can learn how to respect the desire of ourselves and others for life, for the requisites for life, our possessions, for our connection, for our intimacy, May all our desires be respected and honored in a container of safety and of goodwill. Good afternoon, everyone.
as Diana pointed out, today we're going to be talking about right action. And we're going to talk about it from um, two perspectives. The first one will be from abstinence, restraint of engaging in actions which uh, are unwholesome and which disturb the heart and mind and hinder or prevent us from attaining the kind of uh, peace and freedom that this path offers. Later, Shinquan will talk about the um, performance aspects of, of, the, of these three as well. So right action Sometimes people hear that and think that this is, this is instructions from outside on how to live your life. You know, like there's some outside authority or maybe even the three of us being the authority. Um, but really, if your intention is to follow this path, to, to be um, free of clinging, to be free of suffering, to be free of greed, delusion, and hatred, and to come to a place of peace and freedom, then right action or wise action, what we're going to talk about today, are things that will help you get there. They'll help um, prevent the states of agitation that occur when we when we get involved in things like killing or stealing or sexual misconduct. So, so they're really a means to achieving uh, a goal of, of peace. So the first one is abstention from killing or harming, really. Um, I suspect most of us probably don't routinely have to take human life. Some, you know, some uh, maybe in the, in the armed forces or the law enforcement, that might be something that they have to face. Um, for me, this precept, for this uh, particular element of right action is mostly comes across in terms of non-harming. So it's not only the, um, the actual act of harming, but looking at my attitudes and my beliefs and my mind states uh, and my intentions around harming, you know? I've had experiences where, well, I wouldn't really want to kill that person, but you know, if something bad happened to them, that, that'd be okay. They kind of deserve it, right? You know, so um, you know, so that's that's probably maybe the first place uh, for me to look at this particular aspect is. Um, You know the 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 um, 
intention towards harming, maybe verbally. And what I've found, or maybe even more uh, subtle, are like the harming of other living beings. Like I've had rats in my attic I had to deal with. Um, sometimes I have uh, uh, insects or spiders seem to really like my house, given how um, the lack of my housekeeping skills. So, um, and so I found that when I'd go on retreat, where, where I would take a vow not to kill any living being, that if there was a spider that was crawling along on the rug right where I needed to walk, or right where I chose to walk, um, rather than just squishing it, I would figure out some way to, to capture it and take it outside and release it. And I found that over the years, that really developed a greater sensitivity for life in me. Um, a couple of years ago, I was at work, and a workman had brought a, a pallet of construction materials into the basement, and I heard a cricket, and I thought, well, you know, the cricket's not going to be able to survive down here in the basement, so I'm going to see if I can find him and capture him and take him outside. And as I was doing it, one of my coworkers came by, and he, he saw what I was doing, and so he started looking for the cricket. And unfortunately, he found the cricket before I did, and with these big army boots, he just <laughs> smashed it with his foot. And I was, I was surprised at how strongly that impacted me. I thought, Oh, I didn't realize he was going to kill it. You know, I thought he was going to try to capture it and release it. So, um, so maybe that's that's one of the um, examples of how, by practicing that restraint, um, one one can develop a greater appreciation for life. Um, The other things that, that I notice in trying to follow n the abstinence from killing is noticing or harming is noticing what conditions in the heart and mind predispose me to that. So like noticing when I'm angry or when I'm fearful, um, when I'm tired, when I'm impatient. You know, when those states are around you know, and that's kind of where I'm at, then I know to be especially careful that it's, it's e much easier to slip into um, uh, wishing for harm or uh, indifference to other people's well-being. It's also a good time to pay attention to my intentions. What is it that I... What is it is some short-lived pleasure at seeing somebody else get what I think they deserve, does that, does that, is that really satisfying? Is that really um, create the internal conditions that I'm looking for to uh, cultivate peace? So, there's a lot more that could be said about uh, abstinence from killing or harming, but I think 
this, this is really a, a large area that you can explore for yourself in terms of um, how, do we, how do we value our life and how do we value others' lives. The second area of right action where, um, is abstinence from stealing, from taking what's not freely given. And again, I don't imagine that most of you are um, actively involved in embezzlement or fraud or armed robbery. But there can be many subtle ways in which um, we might um, take things from work that are not given. One of, one of the examples is pencils and paper. Although I realize at this point, most people don't use pencils and paper anymore. So, so maybe uh, taking uh, computer bandwidth or time on the internet, you know, it's like, well, it doesn't really hurt anyone if I, uh, you know, Google something that I'm curious about. Um, but I think it's valuable to really keep asking yourself this question, is this something that's being freely given? Um, I went to a college reunion a couple of years ago and I, I went to one of the, the earth science department. I was interested. I work in earth science. So I went to the earth science department at Cornell and none of the docents or professors were there to, um, to talk to, but there was a plate of brownies with saran wrap over the top. I said, oh boy, those look really good. And then I asked myself, well, are these being freely given? And I assumed they were. I mean, you know, it's like I don't think that somebody had brought their own personal brownies and left them in the, the lobby. But it made me happy that I at least considered it, that it wasn't just like, ooh, brownie, and grabbed it. But, you know, is this, is this being offered? So that's another area where um, uh, paying attention um, to our motivations, to our intentions, to our states of mind, all can keep us out of trouble when something desir- when we see something desirable. And to really ask the question is is this is this being given to me? And then the third area that we'll have more time to explore is um, abstinence from sexual misconduct. And this is probably the area where there's probably the most protests, you know, of like, who are you to tell me what's, you know, what's correct and what's not? And it's true, it's, it's not my place. Um, but it is an area where there can be great joy, but also great uh, harm, you know, pain, jealousy, um, anger, uh, that can be generated from acting inappropriately in the area of uh, human sexual relationships. Um, There's some more detailed guidelines given in Bhante Gunaratana's book. Um, I have it here with me right now. Uh, and also, it just so happened that this last Friday, Gill led a uh, day long on the ethics of sexuality. 
So if this is an area that um, is of interest to you, or particularly if it's particularly if it's not interesting to you, maybe this is an area to pay attention to. You know that um, that it's that. I think he has a whole day's worth of talks on the web that just went up around um, acting out our our sexual expression and creativity with a person or people that are appropriate, you know, that aren't that aren't going to be um, harmed or that other people won't be harmed if we engage in a sexual activity with them. So, so the, I think that's about all I have to say f- about those three areas right now. I, we'll be um, doing group discussions about those, and I think we'll all have a chance in the coming month to, to look at the ways in which we restrain or don't restrain ourselves in the areas of uh, killing and harm to other sentient beings, to um, taking what's not given, and in the area of sexual misconduct. So, Diana? Thank you, Jim. So as Jim said, the Elements of right action, restraining from killing living beings, restraining from taking what is not given, and restraining from sexual misconduct are a way for us to reach the goal of greater peace and ease. They're not um, these rules that are imposed on us, but a way to help us achieve something that all of us probably would like. So with that as a little bit of a um, segue, I'm going to ask you to get into groups of... How many of us are there here? I'm going to say groups of four. Yeah. Can you get into groups of four? And then um, I'll give you a question. And the way that we do this, probably many of you have done this before, but I'll just remind us of the instructions is um, one person can answer the question briefly, and then it goes to the second, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then again back to the first person, each and each person giving a, um, a brief response, because often when you hear what somebody else says, it brings something else to mind. So it's an opportunity for you to speak a number of times as, it, as you go around and around um, in the circle sharing. So if you want to get into groups of four, and then I'll give you the question. There may be a group of three. We'll see how we did with our counting and our math. Looks like, is everybody settled? Does everybody have a group? Okay, great. 
So here's some here's the question. In your um, exploring of the Eightfold Path, are you motivated by avoiding suffering or by cultivating peace? Which way, which is um, motivates you or um, inspires you or causes you to do action? Are you motivated by avoiding suffering or cultivating peace? And I'll ring the bell in a few minutes. Thank you. Okay, so now for the second question. Now that you've talked about whether you're motivated by avoiding suffering or cultivating peace, how can right action help you with this? As a reminder, right action is abstaining from killing living beings, abstaining from taking what is not freely given, and abstaining from sexual misconduct. How can these three elements support you in avoiding suffering or cultivating peace? Okay, so now we'll spend a few minutes um, kind of reporting back to the larger group. What was that like for you to explore these topics and to share them with others? And did you learn anything? Was there something new? Or We had our own discussion up here, but we'd like to hear how it was for you out there. I think the... Um the largest topic of conversation uh, for the second question was the inevitability of talking about the killing of animals, whether it's firsthand, whether you physically, like myself, cannot abide ants, <laughs> or the uh, sort of taking yourself a step away from the actual physical killing of animals to eat. And that topic seemed to come up um, was quite prevalent in that second question. And I think, uh, I, I don't know how, how uh, uh, within the um, Eightfold Path, what the teaching is on that, on the actual eating of meat or killing of animals to eat as meat. So it's my understanding of the Eightfold Path is that it doesn't address it directly. We have this of to abstain from killing living beings. But it doesn't say that you must be vegetarian, that you must never eat animals. So different traditions and different communities have interpreted it differently about vegetarianism. And so that leaves us here in the contemporary West to interpret it in our way as well. So many individuals have interpreted some that you must be vegetarian, you should be vegetarian, and others have not. So that's my understanding. Would you like to add something? Um, so I guess what I find helpful is, as all of us practice this, what I do notice is there might be an increased sensitivity to life. 
Um, and as that happens, um, I think the, I guess, most respectful thing we can do that is to honor that as that sensitivity deepens or broadens. So in the beginning, I didn't feel so bad about killing all the ants in my house either. I mean, I would have infestations. I would be crawling around the entire kitchen. I couldn't figure out a way to um, get them you know, out. Um, um, but as I, as my sensitivity increased, um, it just felt more, it just felt better that I would spend a little bit more time at least trying to figure out a way, different strategies in order to lure them out of the house rather than bomb them, you know. And it became, and it, it just f- um, felt better for me. So I feel like that's maybe a good guideline for all of us to take is um, I do think our sensitivity, well, it might not for everybody, but it does um, increase. And then it feels, feels terrible if we don't respect that. So that's what I have to... Are there any other comments or questions? Thanks. Just how how much comfort there is and um, and support in just hearing other people's uh, struggles and thoughts about the about the practice. It just Im- immediately, oh. So that's what I noticed. Yes, thank you for sharing. I, I think she would like to share behind you. Um, one thing that came up in our group too is just how to um, interpret. Um, the right action a little bit more broadly. And um, I don't know if you guys can add to that, though, too. But one of the things, you know, that we thought of is, okay, you know, not taking take, not taking what is not given as, you know, not interrupting, for example. You know, things like that. And so I was just kind of curious, too, if you guys could add to that, too, because I think a lot of us aren't killing people, you know, and stuff like that. So, But we still want to practice these concepts. So... I can speak for myself, and then maybe M. Shinkwan and Jim can add something. Um, one thing that uh, I read, I think, in a Dharma book that really had a big impact on me was um, to not take what is not freely given includes not taking other people's ideas, not taking other people's time, you know, talking too much or when they really need to be going, or not um, taking them for granted. So for me, that's one way that I have kind of um, personalized. Just as you said, I'm trying not to kill so many living beings, but this is another way of um, taking what is not freely given. So something that comes to mind is um, is not taking, um, I guess it was its time or energy. And I think the example comes up for me very strongly because we we run a volunteer community here. And a lot of us act with a lot of generosity because this practice has offered so much to us. But I feel like that um, I feel generous and I really feel a lot of gratitude and appreciation for the most part. But it's when I start to feel taken 
or granted, or there's expectations on my time, then all of a sudden my generosity uh, hits a wall. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm not a saint, but I realize what that does for me is it really uh, makes me much more sensitive to doing that with others because I can feel what it's like on the other end. Um, so, that's just one example. Okay, so now we have time for a short break. We're just, it'll just be um, 10 minutes, so we'll ring the bell in maybe 7 or 8 minutes or so. And this is an opportunity. You can practice right speech. Uh, you can look at your intentions and right action here, too. So um, we'll see you in 10 minutes at one forty. <laughs> 